0: Welcome to Frontend First. I'm Sam. I'm Ryan. And uh, we talk about front end development. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can no longer see our laps. (laughs) So if you ever watched us on YouTube and thought, hey, it's pretty awkward. I can see those guys laps. No more. What do you think about Bayesian statistics, Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) We just had a little, uh, I was going to say 20 minute, but I'm pretty sure it was more like 50 to 60 (laughs) minute digression about... uh, Musesian statistics and um, the language of mathematics. Yeah. Very, very. uh, Pretty interesting. Yeah. (laughs) If you're into, if you happen to be into Taleb um, and the kind of stuff he talks about with statistics, he was talking a lot about the numbers around the election Um, I used to study economics a long time ago, and Mises talks a lot about the same kind of ideas. That's what we're talking about. If you're interested in that stuff, hit us up on Twitter. Maybe we'll start a Discord server, and we can all get on and just waste hours of our lives talking about (laughs) things. Just things that don't matter, you know? Pretty interesting stuff, though. Um, So, what's going on this week, man? Anything new in the world happened in the last few days? No? No. Yeah, neither me. You know, I was actually in my apartment um, at noon. And uh, I just started hearing like frying pans banging in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> just banging. And How, thinking, long, did it, yeah. How well, long did it take you to figure out? Like, it, it, I was like, it, I was worried for a little bit because basically I live in the West Village. So it's kind of a dense area. And all week um, there's like this app on my phone and it shows me if there's like protests going on. Or if there was a fire that breaks out or an arrest or something like that. And basically all week there was stuff going on in the hood. You know, just basically since the election. And so I was like, oh my gosh. It's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Are they really getting rowdy already? <laughs> like these, you know, maybe fights are breaking out. It's like the middle of the day, 75 degrees out. Can't we just wait until the evening to do, get on with these things? But then I realized pretty quickly that people were cheering. They were happy. So that was it was actually pretty fun. And it was just being out all day on the weekend it was the city was the city was very happy nice very nice yeah but uh pretty interesting times um yeah so um what we got going on this week
1: react next lots lots of react
0: yes we paired on friday i have a new side project Related to fitness. <laughs> my never-ending quest to solve my fitness and nutrition issues through technology. Through side projects. We're, we're one step closer. We actually had a fun day. And it was it's fun because this is like an app that I'm using, my buddies using. So we use it every day now. And we had like this deadline. We were meeting for dinner on Friday. And so it was like five was like down to the wire. We shipped that thing on Friday. No tests, no CI. <laughs> <laughs> uh working on production data and dev but we really wanted to finish this thing and ship it we actually added auth to it on friday so that was what we did and it was um you know we've been like complaining about uh the complaining podcast we've been complaining about our stack for a while and i actually finally feel like the last mm, six to nine months of like investment in react and graphql and hasura and just kind of like uh embracing the react ways of doing things is like starting to pay off because oh. I felt extremely productive
1: on yeah. the side project so far. I completely agree. I also I'm gonna get more narrower than React. I think next. Um even when I'm I found that even when I'm making demo projects that don't really have to do with like the whole Vercell server side CDN model, mm-hmm. I will often spin up a next app. Just because I'm super comfortable with the config and all that, the routing, just that you get routing and it's just a file, versus um, yeah, versus create React app, having to add React router, yep, and do all that, and then not even having server side rendering just
0: for yeah. whatever reason. Like I've noticed
1: exactly the same
0: thing. It almost feels ridiculous, but it's like that's just what I do. Tailwind is gonna be easier to set up because yes. you just drop a post CSS config yes, exactly. and it works. Um, like you said, you have all this
1: other stuff already, so. So yeah, for a few like demos or experimentations, I think you know six months ago I would have been using Create React mm-hmm. App, and now I'm just spinning up Next apps. So
0: yeah, Fast Refresh was there first. It's now in Create React yeah. App, but it was in Next first. Um, yeah, I totally agree, man. Uh, I haven't tried Create React App since the latest version came out, so it'd be interesting to see because there is a purity about that that I like because there are times. Although really not a lot. I don't think it's happened once in this side project, my fitness app, where the server side rendering stuff um, makes you deal with it when you don't actually care about it. Mm -hmm. You have to write something that doesn't work when you deploy it or when you try to build it because of SSR. But I don't think it's happened with the fitness app yet. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Also just, you know, I think the first handful of projects that we worked on We were just getting familiar with the ecosystem, understanding what the differences were between the data fetching libraries, even the approach that we would do, you know, and this one, I'm just really all in on, yeah, just trying to embrace the tools work so much better when you just use them how they're meant to be used. And I had this experience last week where I was doing so the the app is basically like a list of entries for different goals that you achieve throughout the week. So you can say i want to go to crossfit five days this week and so you can toggle a day and you create an entry and then you that's the crossfit is a goal the the good eating is a goal no alcohol is a goal running is a goal so those are weekly goals that you have a goal has many entries and then a user has many goals so you had two users in the app and the home page shows you like your total entry aggregate for each goal within a week So a goal is tied to like a Monday date or a Sunday date, week beginning. And man, just like to get the data for this, you know, I just was like, again, I remember building my recipes app where you have the index page of all the recipes. You go into it, you get the ingredients, you edit it, you come back. I did this normalized cache thing because I was like, if I've already loaded the recipe on the home page, I just want to tap it and get the recipe. It's already in my phone. Like, why do I have to wait for it to load again? Because that's how Ember data would work. That's how I'm used to building apps with Ember. And it works in a lot of cases as well. But um, you just quickly go to this place where you're... The, you don't want to be trying to... You don't, you don't want to be trying to man- manage an identity map, basically, period. But you definitely don't if you're working with a tool that's not even made for it. So... Um, that was just like a long trek down this path of like trying to fit my old model of how to do things in this new world or not even old and new. It's just different ways of approaching the problem. Right. Whereas this time I was like, okay, I'm working on this screen and I see the nesting of data in my UI. That's what I'm going to get from GraphQL. And it's not about saving bytes over the wire. It's more about
1: what's the easiest, fastest way to get the data I need for this UI. Yeah. Well, so in the identity map, it's, it's not an identity map. It's, it's a second version of your database that is normalized. (laughs) It's a second version of your database. It's a second version of all the data on your server, but you don't get it all at once. You only get it in chunks, right? It's really hard. It's, it's really, really hard to maintain two. Maintaining one database yeah. is really hard. It's why, true. Why go to two? It's true.
0: How hard is it to to deduplicate data sometimes in a certain data model? Right. Yeah. um
1: to- Totally agree. I, I think there's a really nice, you know, like the purist in me wants to say, like, yeah, but once you get that identity map, it's so sweet when you just have like one reference to this ingredient, you update it, it updates everywhere. Exactly. It busts the cache or whatever. All, all like it. the, since all your counts, all your... Derived. Like, everything's derived. Yep. It just all magically updates. Where yep. If you're only fetching the data that a page needs, uh, you lose that. Right. There's something. There's something that you said when we were working on all this, which was, you know, I can just fetch the data I need now and I can always optimize this stuff later. Yeah. And I think that was... I mean, that's really powerful when you see that and yes. you, you adopt that because you've finished features in, you know, an hour. Dude,
0: it's insane how fast we were moving. I mean, you made this comment. You were like, you know, there's something that makes me feel like back in the rails days when I hit my stride of productivity and it's just like, you're just like finishing features and like, you're working at a startup or a company where you're starting a new app and like rails, you're so comfortable with it and you're moving so fast that you're just like nailing these features out and the tech
1: is not getting in your way at all. I totally felt that way. Like we were. Yeah, we're just building one page, moving on to the next, and then, yeah, sure, all the data needs to refetch. But the tooling takes care of that. The paradigm takes care of that for you. And in the future, if you want those smooth, you know, offline support, all those features that you get for maintaining that second database, you can layer it in. Exactly. And you don't have to go all or not. I mean, like, what is the first version of layering in? It's like a context that
0: holds... Some data exactly, and you know, even like the libraries we've used, like urkel have this abstracted out at that layer too. So that's like another option is like yep. make your hook have a notion of identity and be able to keep track of the queries and refresh them when something changes or whatever it is. Yeah, um, ex- exactly. It's buffer not, the buffered
1: query thing, right? You know? It's it's not fetch calls on one end, and the only other end is um, Apollo Cache or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's different steps yes. to get there and in and, and my two apps i'm using urkel actually just in one app i'm using urkel and I, I i like it i feel like i have the identity map stuff where i need it but i can still request data um yeah when a page loads
0: yeah the urkel stuff does impress me how it automatically identifies a resource uniquely and refreshes queries that use that resource that's pretty cool because there's a few times using swr where i basically just have to call mutate on a query that references something that I've updated, but I just do that in a callback. And it's just, there's something about that that would have made me so standoffish earlier where I would have just, um, you know, not wanted to, I would have felt like that's a missing part of the puzzle. If like this page has to know to like change this, but like, first of all, all these are in one page component. Cause there's like an interaction there because the, the query is going to refresh when the component re-renders anyways. So if that's if you're moving pages, you're fine. Um, but this was on an interaction within a page, and it was just so much easier to add one line that says, oh, this query needs to be redone, it, which happened to be you know denormalized. And if I had had to derive the UI from a normalized version, I would have had to write a lot more code for it. And so I would have paid in that way. And it's just interesting.
1: It's the mutate thing when you have to manually mutate stuff. It's yeah, interesting. It does. Where Where it's if you're boxed in, I'm only mutating stuff that's currently on this page. That feels fine. And that's yes. what you're saying. Yes. I think you do get into a trap where it's like, okay, I just did something on this page and I need to mutate all this other data for other pages in the site. Yeah, yeah. that That just is complexity that just... It's spirals hard. out of control but yeah you have the hard reset thing where every time you go to a new page exactly the query reruns in the background yeah so you might if you
0: again if you can tolerate staleness in your ui you get this really nice model where you're building these disconnected pages and i've already like massively changed the home page from the first version to what i have now and what i noticed was because all the data fetching and mutation logic and routing stuff it's all, I just have like a big 200, 250 line component. And I love doing that now. Whereas before I definitely would start abstracting things, but I'd much rather open one page component and just do a control find and be right there. than like control find, Oh, user summary, go to definition. Oh, okay. This is a thing switcher. Okay. go to Definitely go there. Open that. Um, especially early stages in a project, just having 200, 250 line file that has some GraphQL mutations, which are right relevant for the thing and are changing. Like I'm that's changing the, the, things. The, that's, that's the, that, that's the thing that's I, a key.
1: What is likely to change?
0: Exactly. And everything in that file basically was, yeah. I was changing CSS classes. I was changing the queries I was running. Oh, I actually needed this when I was creating an entry. So back in my query, I'm going to add this field to it before I didn't need it.
1: And that's great. That is right there. In the, in the early stages of a UI project, you might start with a form and then over time that might just change to buttons that you click. Mm-hmm. And so, right getting all of your form abstractions yeah like form and form input control and all that when that stuff is likely to change is a disaster yeah it's just a disaster yeah
0: i agree so yeah uh querying the data for this nested thing on the home page and just knowing like this is just um my React app has basically almost become a dumb presenting layer. And it's funny, right? Because we've been doing this fat client stuff for a while where the SPA is like has the smarts, but now it's almost like it's almost changes with GraphQL. It almost changes how you think about some of it. Because a lot of times I was used to having my back end layer basically be a really dumb data layer that doesn't do any sort of transformation for the needs of the UI and doing all sorts of maps, reduces and filters in the front end to go from the normalized data set to this nested structure that was displayed on the home screen. Whereas, and you saw this and you were like your jaw dropped when we did this last week. And I was like, check out how I got the aggregate entries for each goal within this time period. And I open up graphical and just click those three buttons and it just did it. And it was like holy crap, you know, that was crazy. So it almost feels like you know. And I've heard Chris say this before on the Bike Shed podcast, where he's he really loves GraphQL, and he said like now when I'm on a project that doesn't have it, it feels like there's a missing layer of the architecture, and I feel like I'm starting to maybe get a glimpse of what he's talked about
1: there. Yeah, I want I want to like I think with everything you just said before I respond to, like missing layer yeah or anything, I think like you could someone cynical could hear that and be like, oh, so server rendered apps or you can just write SQL like that would be like kind of like a response to that. It's more
0: like it's not
1: that because we're
0: going to add animations this week. I think it's going to be on my YouTube video. Yeah. And so it's it's completely different. Also, it just feels way faster already because of cache. The links are smart. There's so many things that are enabled by a client app that you don't get in a server-rendered app without running JavaScript. Mm -hmm. So the app is super fast out of the box with Next. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about about giving SQL to the front-end developer. It's about giving it to them instead of making them build it in the form of a custom API uh, in a way that is going to just as easily hydrate their JavaScript data structures as SQL can hydrate a Ruby object on the server that's, so it's like you're not thinking about it you're told here is the query language you get and that's how you use it to get your data okay boom done now it feels like because i'm using hasura which is this auto-generated graphql api and this beautiful you know ui through the form of graphical that says here's how you get your data
1: okay i'll do it done that i think that that is the response to the server rendered app where you're saying that um the reason you want to write server-rendered apps is because you want access to SQL. So yeah. if there was an easier way to get exactly. SQL over to the front-end developer, exactly. that's a win. Exactly. That's how It's not about running right. the code on the server. Exactly. It's, it's getting access to SQL. Exactly. So that's a really good response to, like, aren't you just building a server-rendered right. app right. if you're writing queries for every page and right. so on? Right, 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 right.
0: Um, yeah, nicely said. Um, and good restatement. Uh, also, GraphQL did start as SQL over HTTP literally oh really yeah that okay. was that was before graphql that was the first attempt you would send sql strings Sweet. over an api <laughs> <laughs> um but man graphql is just so cool and it's like ugh, the feedback that you get while you're developing to the developer experience they tell you if you have like an unused variable you can't even run the code if you have an unused variable in a query that you're not using so you're never going to like pass the wrong thing it's just crazy It's crazy, and then the fact that it has the aggregates and all these relationships built into it really does feel like you have a replacement for SQL. Even better in a lot of senses because there is a UI that you click around. You don't have to Google how do I do an inner (laughs) join and do all this stuff. Um, So uh, it really does feel like a full feature query language. Really, this is again. This is GraphQL and Hasura because GraphQL on its own is not going to do any of this for you, but Hasura has taken a very, and I like Hasura because I feel like it's coming from devs who are like, have share our background, love Postgres, love relational data modeling. So the standard queries they're exposing and all the resources in your server are things like the aggregates and the counts and the relationships and, and all that stuff. Yep. So it's basically what we would create in a sense of like, Oh yeah, we think in terms of resources, we want to be able to create multiple resources, and we want to do all this kind of thing, right?
1: Yep. By the way, I think it's fine to group Hasura and GraphQL together, even though you can <laughs> say, like, oh, this is app. Because it's at the end of the day, it's your development experience. Yeah. So being able to use the, the existing tooling like GraphQL yeah. and do the error messaging from from GraphQL oh is my gosh. so good. It's so true, man. So having that coupled with, like, all the mutations and and special querying that Hasura builds on top of that, just right. it's one it's just one development experience for totally. us. Totally, totally, hundred percent. I'm I'm just wondering. I'm
0: I'm sure there are people who have had bad GraphQL experiences for reasons
1: that we're not dealing with because we're not writing the server. You could probably make the same mistakes but, designing a GraphQL API that you could make designing a REST yeah. API where you box people in. Again, yep. it's what you yep. said. It's about giving developers yep. the query language, yep. and so you could very easily not give them you could do something in graphql that doesn't enable your developers by letting them query the data that they need. Right. Just totally. with weird rules and endpoints and resolvers.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, you can update multiple
0: videos, we can't update multiple people or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, things <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, all that was really cool. And then yeah, so the missing layer piece is just interesting because in like the react as a dumb UI layer thing. So I'm used to querying the data. How I would think about this if I was building this with like Ember and Rails would be, okay, I need two users and I need all their um, weekly goals where the weekly goal is beginning on November 8th. Um, so how would we do that in Rails? Like add a query param, I guess. There's nothing in like the spec that would say that. Also like you're querying users, but you're having a, aware a where clause on like a nested resource. So it'd probably be like
1: there's custom backend code here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure. Yep. Um and then also include all the entries. Um so you'd include like weekly goals because you get the graph for the week for both users. And then you would be able to basically list them out. You would map, you know, for each user, you would render it, you go through each one of their goals. And then you would do like weekly count or whatever. But um, you'd also be like querying a lot of the entry data or whatever. But basically you'd be traversing that graph. That's kind of how you'd be thinking about it. Um, and then if you wanted to get the total for the week, the total amount of all entries across all goals, again, out of the box, the way you would do it would be with the same graph. There's mm-hmm. no... Aggregate that points a uh, user's week to their total amount of entries, but I needed both of these things for my for my homepage. And so again, normally I would think about querying the graph of data I needed and then doing maps and transform, basically transforming the data in JavaScript because yep. it's like, oh, I can just do that super easily. But I was just clicking around graphical and like all the aggregates are just right there, right? Um, so I was like, I guess it just felt a little weird like putting business logic in my like api but the thing is it's not it's still in my react app because the query is right there above my component so dude it's absolutely in your react app it yeah. would be if you had to go right custom backend back backend is like and aggregating point. so it's it's almost like um it's basically like a counter cache i guess but the reason you would add a counter cache is because you have a lot of data let's say so this would be like doing that just because it's easier
1: um or not, you know what I'm saying? There's two things here. There's, there's, there's two things. One is, um, I am n- not deriving everything from the, the, the original data. Mm-hmm. So that's like having denormalized, your, right? That's denormalized, having the front end request account rather than request all the records and sum them up. Right. There's the other side. There's another thing, which is, um, n- there's now more business logic in my backend because my backend knows how to, mm-hmm. how to transform data on its own. But I don't, that one the business logic, I don't think is a, is an issue. I don't think that's a problem. We've, you, we've introduced this in a way that doesn't require you to write any backend.
0: Code. I mean, that's the reason why, right? Right. But that is it feels
1: exactly. weird
0: uh, that the fact that my API is responding with this very particular triple layer nested data structure, which is only three layers of nesting in this particular way with these sums right here because of how i'm choosing to present the data on the front end so again it's just back to the fact that it is denormalized from the perspective of how it's stored in the back end yep i'm getting the entry it's just nested objects so i'm getting the entries attached to weekly goals but entries are actually like not necessarily attached to a weekly goal in a sense it, um it, it
1: it passes a smell test for me because if you needed a fourth layer you wouldn't have to rethink your backend architecture your front end could just request fourth layer dude
0: 100 percent. it passes i mean it it was so easy i'm just saying it's like um it's just different from how we've been building apps before and it and it makes your and it makes your component code dumber because your backend is smarter in a sense your backend is more capable basically these capabilities mean you have to do a lot less in your react code so like i've just noticed that my pages are like it feels like by the time I start writing my UI code and my react function for the page and next I'm like 75 to 80% of the way done. And I just get to like literally call map and like add tailwind classes. And it's like crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're writing
1: the you're writing the view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also writing the whole app. There's no backend <laughs> developer on this project. Yeah. It's just me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, but you're writing the view in the sense that like truly yeah. the view and there's no real model. Yeah. I mean there is, but you know
1: what I mean? It's, The data, the data you're also writing, but you write it in the form of just this very simple GraphQL query that, you know, you can generate from graphical. So it doesn't even feel like you're actually spending any time there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, again, because of this pattern where if you can tolerate a bit of staleness, if your data fetching library has a bit of smarts about how and when to refetch things, when it comes to making mutations, you can just do it and the app will kind of work. it'll it's eventually consistent and by that i mean like very quickly consistent and if you need things to be a certain way like i have a new feature i want to add where instead of just saving an entry and going back to the home page i want to make a little interaction where you like touch and hold and maybe it's like an optimistic ui and it just finishes and you know can just do that and figure out what to happen afterwards but i'm not worried about that at all like What that's going to look like and i'm not worried about any of the paradigms or libraries i'm using going to hold me back from doing something like that um so it's just really really interesting yeah it's really cool yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it (laughs) (laughs) it feels good to feel like super productive yeah with a tech stack um yeah and then like uh last night i was just like fiddling on it do the productivity is
1: because you can work on a page... In isolation. And, yeah, request the data you need for that page and not think about any other entry points to any other pages. Yeah. And, and you know, I know that's like the dream of every SPA. Yeah. But, you know, it's actually true when you're writing this, when you're just writing a query that provides the data for the page. I, mean, I know, again, I know every SPA is supposed to supposed do Supposed to do that, right. But it's not always true. There's something about it's like the honesty of admitting
0: up front, like these things are disconnected and when they need to be connected or when you need to do something that it knows about another page or another part of the cache or whatever, you can layer that in. But to start, if you can build things in a disconnected way, it just, it makes things very, very simple. And it's still, again, super fast because you're, you are prefetching links. You do have the cache stays there even after you navigate. So when you navigate back, it's instant, even though conceptually, from the developer's perspective, the query on the homepage is the query on the homepage. And that's all there is to it. It's not related to any other query. You know, it's you nice. can
1: you can even say like, look, even if I don't have a cache, I still yeah. get the benefits and then yeah. I can layer in. But the cache is an example of the kind of thing
0: you can layer in, even if you are working under the constraint of this world where right. these are separate things, Yep, which is what the, the client rendering enables. Yes. Yeah. so. So it's still an example of a of a cool thing you can do. Um, it's just interesting because it's just very different from, yeah, just different from how I normally think about uh, building one of these
1: things with the tools I've used in the past. It's very interesting that, like, so with React and these SPAs, like, we have a button, and that button fires an on-click where we need to run some business logic. Like, having that button just send an HTTP request to a controller that runs that business logic is just just confusing a lot of just there's a lot there and so we'll say like yeah it's so much easier when you just write an on click function in a react component and hand it to a button that runs right that's just so much easier than just running some like remote rails controller action that does like the business logic right um but we're finding with like data maybe it's maybe it's not good to have data live for a long time on the client right it's just good to have so it's it, we're, like, teasing apart the yeah. SPA. We're finding, like, things that are really good in the SPA and things yeah. that are not so great.
0: Exactly. And that was back to, like, Chris's point about, like, GraphQL being this, like, necessary translation layer that has, like... It does have business logic in it, uh, in a sense. Um, actually, I mean, it, it definitely does. Yeah, I mean... But it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's an abstraction layer, like, over the database. So it, it's just, like... Um, i was almost going to get into this but i ended up changing my data modeling but originally i was going to add this computed field on my weekly goals which was like the total count for the week and apparently it's pretty easy to do um in postgres you can have like these derived fields or whatever on your tables and then Hasura lets you like run that and then expose it over graphql uh they call it tracking so you can like add this um what was it called a,
1: a view i think it's called a view a view might be a table yeah i think that yeah i think a view is a table and i think they have functions you can run on fields but then okay. they can also have like compute sorry functions you can run on columns and i think they also have like transforms you can run on columns, okay. which i think are the computed fields. okay got you
0: but they let you do that and that's definitely like business logic and again like i ended up not needing it because the built-in um hasura um like aggregates worked for my use case, but the fact that I was considering it was just telling, you know, just again, how easy it felt to work with GraphQL uh, for the rest of the app that I had done so far. I was like, no, I actually would love that if this was in the API. Yeah, also, yeah. you're thinking about like other clients now because you're building this thing and it's just like consuming this, this data source, which is so good at just serving you up this data. And you're like, yeah, if i ever had other clients um, or just thinking about wanting more of the logic to be in the back end there, um, because it's going to let me move faster on the front end. If I can just change a field or if i need this thing again you know it's like when we first used gatsby and like there was a super helpful things it's like wait i'm querying the table of contents from the GraphQL content mesh or whatever actually it's pretty nice because now i don't have to do it yeah um (laughs) it's kind of like that you know what i mean so it feels very different than like when we used to write rails controllers and we would put like convenience things that were for the ui in the payload which always felt so bad to us felt like really bad because um you're, you're tying this controller method, which is supposed to be a generic controller method to a particular screen in the UI. Uh and maybe it's just because of the fact that there's one endpoint for a post resource. No, no. And if you're gonna get it and now it has a comments count or it has a user, you know, top commenting user avatar JPEG or you know URL. Um, that's like, no, don't put that in there because now someone else is going to need to get the post and they're going to get this stuff that's just for your screen. We're making a generalized API here that serves the needs of many clients. Well, guess what? If you have a query language, it doesn't matter. Like, Actually, it's nice that you have more more conveniences in there because if you don't need them, you don't don't request them.
1: Yeah, I don't think you should feel bad about business logic if it's like, it's business logic that the front end is deciding what to run because the front end writes a query. Yeah, that's it. A doesn't big deal because from it my perspective, the code is still in the React app. Yeah. that's the big part of it. So to me, it doesn't matter where the business logic runs; it's the one that it's, where the, it's maintained. yeah, lives. exactly. Where yeah, yeah, exactly. But so.
0: you know what? I, you, I'm i not crazy, right? You like when in the past we've we've been on consulting projects where we told the back end team to make things more generic
1: so that the front end has more flexibility when it comes to building their pages i I know because but the reason for that is because the front end developer requests i need this data yeah and and the back end developer goes off and writes 100 lines of code to get them that data and then things change the slightest business requirement throws all all that out of sync But if the front-end developer is the one that's writing the query, they can tweak it. And And if the back-end API is flexible enough to
0: give them the power so that they can query what they need, then it's a lot more um, justifiable to add more and more things to the back-end server.
1: And I don't think this is like, oh, you can only do this with GraphQL. The the tooling and the ecosystem is what just makes this such a joy to do with GraphQL.
0: Yeah, it happened to us when we first started using JSON API resource. The first time we were able to build a page without changing the backend. Yeah. It happened. Yep. You know, because you could traverse the graph. Um, and this is basically like that on like Nitros. You know what I
1: mean? Because it's like you have aggregates. You have like. Yeah. It's giving you, giving you computation. Yeah. That, that you get to decide. Yeah. Yeah. It's computation. You write on the front end and run on the back end. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's that's it's great. awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's really awesome. It really is awesome. It really is. Um, will it stay fast when my app grows? (laughs) Who knows?
1: (laughs) I know I always say this and I've fallen into the trap of saying this and then it never happens, but I do like this architecture that you're describing because if we ever need to have an offline capable app or Mm -hmm. whatever, we haven't boxed ourselves out from that. So it's like we can progressively get to, you know, the entire database living on your iPhone. Absolutely. Dude, when I... But, oh. but but we've made this argument before. and It's like, yeah, but you never actually do that. Right, so right, that's, right. it's going to have the argument in
0: your back pocket, yeah. even though we know in reality <laughs> yeah. you're never going to get there. Um, dude, the first app that I made like when I was getting into React last year, like my recipes app, I basically made this hook that was like, use recipes and use recipe. And it was basically using GraphQL under the hood, but it was returning that normalized map. So that I could just call use recipe one. Yep. And if it was in the cache, it would return it. It would make unnecessary requests, which I was worried about for some reason. Um, and uh, if I mutated it, everyone who was using that would get the update and all that kind of thing. So you can do that for sure. And if that was needed so for you to track changes to a document while you were offline, okay,
1: let's tackle that when we get there, big guy. <laughs> Un- unnecessary requests are definitely something you should be concerned about. Not because you're hammering your server. It's because you could load a page, send an unnecessary request, and the page could just change when it comes back. So I think that's fine. That's different though. I think it's fine to worry about like I know oh. it's different, but I think it's fine to be concerned about like controlling when requests go out, when data changes. I don't know,
0: man. See, I I you haven't you haven't come over all the way on this side of the, the <laughs> line. You you need some more of the Kool-Aid, man. We're, we're all getting on a boat and going to the, the pyramids <laughs> over here and we're going to leave you behind because I just like click on my dev tools now and I flip back to my page and I just, prr, there was like seven requests. I don't know what was going on with them. They were like different use SWR queries that were refreshing. Um, I don't know what's going on with them. I think this paradigm shines most. This is kind of what I'm talking about when you embrace this idea that, You just have these queries that are, like, disconnected in a sense. They're, like, disconnected. And your job is to make sure. um, They're
1: disconnected is the same as a a server rendered app's HTTP requests are disconnected. What do you mean by that? You can just send off, you can load those pages, and they get you back all the data you need. Yeah, but that's, like, a one-shot render. It's kind of different because, like, you're not going to have parts of the page that are, like, different. Don't think of it as render. Think of it as, like, I send an HTTP request, I get back some data. That data is, like, HTML yeah but that's the data i need for this page
0: so wait what? Well, maybe we're talking past each other what did you mean when you were saying like it's good to worry about your request or like when things change well, i i i think i think the thing about worrying about things changing i think it's better to be like um this part of my app is okay if things re-render um because most of it is going to stay the same for example my homepage now shows me my entries and my friends entries and so there's like 20 models on the page or 20 objects or whatever and then maybe every every day one or two of them change so those totals will change like that so it's okay if they're stale because um, when they come back it'll just go from one to two and that's fine now if you're in a situation where you have one blog post in the cache and you run to the index page and you show that one, and then the other hundred come in. It's going to be bad that you show the stale data. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So in that case, you want to do it differently. That that is the case that I'm talking. Yeah, about. yeah. So in that but in that case, to me, the way I'm thinking about this right now, this is still kind of like thought forming in my head about how to think about this stuff. But like, um, I think different parts of your app can tolerate different degrees of staleness. And basically, the way I'm building apps right now is like, how far can I push? most of my pages tolerating a degree of staleness because if i can i can massively simplify my data fetching and mutation code
1: in my app so yeah you're starting because you're offloading it to this paradigm that's like the the default that's everything can tolerate staleness and then i can sprinkle in what to do
0: for a critical interaction like the one that we want to work on tomorrow which is like push to um to do it and so i'm not going to yeah that's going to be a thing where um i guess that's a mutation so that's a little bit different but no i'll do it oh no no it's because yeah it is going to change because right now the index page that is its own query and the detail page for the goal where you create or delete uh entries are in two different pages but i want to show it on the home page so when you hold when you long press I want to create an entry, and I also want to move the bar up. So I'm going to have to figure out how to do that. So I think, anyways, point being, uh, not to get in the weeds, there's interactions where you do want to be optimistic in the UI, right? Mm -hmm. Or you want to make sure you're not showing stale data. And I think there's going to be good patterns for dealing with that kind of stuff, given an app that's built with this architecture. But I think for most apps, again, you're just better off if you can I found it to be so much easier so far to be thinking like this, which is basically how a lot of the, you know, Ember data had the background reload thing, which was a similar idea, but because it was kind of like um, there was one choke point at the route for all your data, you didn't really get the flexibility of this. So in a react app, you have like all these different components, which maybe make their own queries, but if they're all using this like stale wall revalidate pattern or something like it under the hood, then it can be fine. So That's all I was trying to say about not worrying about the queries. Yeah. It's interesting. I I look at this. Yeah. Yeah, Just to finish the thought with the recipes thing, it was like, I have a query for all recipes and I'm getting all fields. And now I'm going to page with one recipe that has all fields. And I know the only way to get here is from the index page. And I know by the time I go there, I'm going to have it in my cache. So why can't I just go there and not make an extra request? That's kind of how i thought about it but guess what you now you decide to track that recipe with a url so you can start there and now you have these different code paths and now you want to get a recipe's ingredients on the detail page that you don't have so now you have a notion of whether the recipe is actually in the store or not so i've been down that road and that's kind of what i'm getting at it's if it's coming from a place of worrying about extra res, uh, request or whatever it's like yeah that is a trade-off but the code is going to cost way more—the complexity of the code—and if you can just write the query you need for the home page for the home page, write the query you need for the detail page for the detail page, and not worry about let the tooling re-request things as it needs to, then uh, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Thoughts? I, I mean, I think I think there's trade-offs there, right? I think there's trade-offs. I, I think for you to say to start in a position where every page requests its own data is the simplest thing to get me adding features. Like I can't argue against that. Yeah. I think that's like a good thing. Yeah. Um, I do think there's times where like you want to click on a recipe or something and you just want to immediately transition. Yeah. And so yeah. like there's, yeah, there's straight. You and should I'd, be able to do that. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, it's just like what side is better to start from a default. Yeah. Where, like, and the that's identity, my argument. The identity map would say like, you should just immediately render. You have the recipe you've loaded the recipe on the index page you click it we don't need to wait for anything we have all the data we need to run the problem is that's never true because that hand
0: waves away so much of the complexity whether it's fully loaded whether you know relationship and whether that means it's loaded all there's just yeah so that's why i agree with you but i i think that i've never seen it in practice work out that way yeah it's too uh, i mean that's
1: totally fair it's too hand wavy it's way too hand wavy right it basically says that we can just duplicate the database yep. duplicating the database on the phone is easy which yeah it's not it's not yeah and for maybe for some apps it is but and the downsides of having disconnected
0: queries that are like these dumb um denormalized data structures that are snapshots of your data in time is actually not as bad as I used to think because right, 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 right. I, I they can be refreshed and because they can be cached and because um, yeah, all the reasons that we were talking about, it. it actually makes it very
1: easy. It's almost like our server rendered. The refresh, content. the refreshing is. Yeah. I think it's okay. Maybe. you could make it so
0: that you never render from cache. So yeah. that's all you would have to do. And then you just hit the back button and then again, you could see a loading spinner, so you never see stale data. Or after you create your new entry, you could update the cache for that right. query. Call mutate exactly and optimistic UI it, uh, but you'd have to do that manually. Apollo Cache has APIs for you to do that. But even still, all that being said, what I'm saying is it's like not worth it in most cases. And if you click around a lot of websites, well, now, you know, just more websites doing this kind of thing. Twitter does this kind of thing. I mean, lots of apps do this kind of thing now. Even Apple apps do this. If I make a change to a note on my computer and I open my app to the note, it just shows it to me. And then the new lines of text just kind of fade in and it moves it. It's fine. It works. And it always feels fast. And that's what I noticed about like this app, too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't. I don't want to. I think the two different devices is is hard mode to talk about this. I, I think it's more like just going to a very simple example. Every page makes its own data request. That's great because you always know you have the data when you enter a page. There definitely are situations, but it's related to the state of being stale too. There are situations where you get into where you go to mutate data on a page. And it's confusing that it hasn't been reflected that, elsewhere now you, in the app. And, or just elsewhere on that page. Like, eventually your pages yeah. introduce enough complexity where you have to, like, start mm-hmm. calling mutate. And then, like, there's something inside me that's, that says, like, okay, we're being imperative here, right? We're describing yeah. how things change. We There is a... There is somewhere... There is have you a hit that in your React apps yet? Uh No, well, I'm I'm using stuff that automatically updates, and I'm fine with the tolerance, so I never have to call mutate. Okay, Um, how does that work? Because Urkel, yeah, Urkel just knows. Yeah, Urkel just knows. It invalidates any query that has resource of entry one two three. I don't know if I have anything that where that's even. I think I'm mutating the data where I can do it in a way that's like optimistic mutation, where I don't think I'm ever changing something in a form and then something in the header should change so i i don't think i have to worry about that gotcha um yeah i think that though like you know using it is it's imperative but it's perfectly valid to say that like it's imperative but it is so so much easier yeah Than yeah Than having to normalize data on the front end
0: yeah yeah but you're just saying don't say that there's no downsize or that it's yeah, I think there's like and you're not running this risk of like yeah, in, in inconsistent data in the UI if it gets complex. I mean, that's the really the interesting point is like get to a point where it's so complex
1: that um, you know, it's so interesting cuz in like React, if we ever if we had to call like yeah, in React, there yeah. was just like here's this like thing and you just call component.re render, Yeah. Um, you like set state state plus 1. Like, if I showed you that code, we would say, like, this is, yeah, never do that. This is bad. You can't do that. You're, you're missing the point. Yeah. Or React itself is just bad. It's broken. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think it works nicely in React because the system knows everything, but with your data, you're basically doing exactly that with, with, with these queries that are like requesting aggregate aggregates and so on. We're doing that, but there's a good reason for it. We can't download our whole database i mean i work on i worked on an app last year that had millions of records yeah and i had to i had to run aggregates on them yeah and i had to get that from the server i couldn't download all those records on the client and when i tried to download all the records on the client i was doing weird stuff like i was using request animation frame to like batch insert into the store because the rendering was because it would block the main thread (laughs) so like so you can make all the arguments you want about declarativeness and deriving data. But when I'm writing request animation frame to load data, I don't, want, I don't <laughs> care about what he said. So yeah, I think this is interesting. Like, Dude, what you just said
0: was super interesting about the fact that that was like such a good gotcha where like calling you, calling create entry insert entry one and then mutate the query is the same as calling set state plus one component that re-render. Yeah. I mean, that was, a, that was, that's going to make me think that was good, but it's,
1: it's okay because we can't right now. We can't come up with a world where you have the whole database on your phone. And, and, and in like, maybe, yeah, for, maybe for a small app, you can
0: matters though. I mean, it's more about the APIs and the paradigm, you know, if the you re-rendering the, thing it has to be fast enough to do it, but
1: <laughs> the way the way you get the whole database on your phone is by giving your phone access to a query language. Yeah. Where it who cares? Is. Who yeah. Who cares it, yeah, yeah, if yeah. the query is going over the network yeah. or it's going yeah. to something on the phone? Like yeah. your app doesn't care. The fact that it uses a network is just an implementation detail. So like yeah. your app actually thinks it has yeah. access to all the data. Yep. Because it, it has a query language. Because it yeah. has a query language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um So it's, it's, I think that's a trick here. Like, I think that's why this feels okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to think more about
0: the declarative imperative stuff because um, it's interesting.
1: There's basically, there's like... Also, like... Yeah. Th- there's like three things of the declarative imperative. There's like one is calling like mutate or calling small a brain, function. brain, big brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> calling like mutate or calling like a function called refresh would be like yeah. b- very imperative. Small then you small brain. Yeah, small brain. Then you have like <laughs> um, stale, well, revalidate. Mm-hmm. So it there's has just, some knowledge of whether the query is being used and yeah, and definitely. then you just have a full like unique resources. There's something where it's like you have a database and the way that database you bush cache, it's like you have cache keys, like that surrogate keys. I mean, basically, there's something that's like unrelated to rendering. Sorry, everyone. This (laughs) This freaking mic is pissing me (laughs) off right now. I gotta get rid of the stand. (laughs) There's like the final end of the spectrum, which is like you have a database and that database is just constantly updating and changing. Yeah. With no reflection on rendering. Yeah, you're like bound
0: to like queries. you could imagine you're like, like bound to queries and then they just give you the latest data yeah and that Do you remember they,
1: this yeah, yeah yeah
0: exactly remember this like conversation we had with luke Melia like six years ago and he was <laughs> like i just always want we were talking about um it wasn't six years maybe it was geez uh we were talking about like oh there should be like stale colon five like you have to choose the seconds He was like every time i've ever done something with caching where i have to choose the seconds it's always wrong wrong." he's like i just want the latest data just give me the latest data it's kind of like what you're talking about oh yeah
1: i remember when he said
0: that i was like yep
1: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) just we (laughs) we didn't yeah we almost shipped that api and
0: went in that library right in ember data storefront yeah because it was like we never shipped it
1: you can totally say like oh i can tolerate 10 minutes of staleness yeah. with this data, but you prefer to just know when the things change. Yeah. It's not only that it's usually when I think his point was mm-hmm. whenever he writes five minutes, it's always just like, he doesn't actually want five minutes. It's just like, yeah, a the, middle ground. the product
0: person wants more. He yeah. apps. People
1: want less. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. always yeah. just like uh, mm-hmm. five minutes. And then you hit some point where it's like, shit, I don't want to wait for more minutes for this. Like thing that happened a minute ago to show up on my app. Right. Right.
0: Right. Someone at, yeah, in that front office is like, why isn't the new article on the homepage or the video up or whatever? It also came up when we were making um, embermap.com fast bootable because of the cache situation there. And at the end of the day, the best thing was just that the back end told the front end when when a model changed. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I really like the idea of exploring this this conversation Mm -hmm. and exploring query languages yeah
0: i do too it's Um, pretty interesting how dramatic of it i felt like it was very easy for me to write off graphql for a long time because it felt like that's not the layer i care about is implementation detail whereas now it feels like it's a bigger part of of my concern as an app developer you know what i'm saying where it's like
1: i I still think i I still think it's not implementation detail it's
0: literally changing what code i write in my react component but it doesn't
1: to me if there was like a you could write sql in your react component yeah that would change it too and but that
0: wouldn't be an implementation detail no that would be a new way that you get architecturally data.
1: it's still the same to me no it's not and again i'm not i'm not again i think graphql is awesome i'm not trying to say you shouldn't be for graphql but it's the idea here like, that they're paying me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how much <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i'm just saying it is it's it's what I'm saying is I didn't give it enough of a yeah, it's a it's a bigger p it is part of the stack. It's part of I If you have GraphQL, you do have a query language, which means you can do things differently than if you didn't.
1: But I could I could give you a GraphQL API that's just brutal.
0: Okay. Well, you know what I mean. A good, well implemented, flexible.
1: Yeah. I guess that's a, that's why I, I think that it's yeah I think you it's a query language I think if you could write SQL in your React component, um, I think you'd be fine. With yeah,
0: that. sure. You would do things that would be easier to do in SQL than they would in JavaScript, let's say.
1: Yeah, aggregates. Yeah, um, nesting. Um, like, nesting. Yeah. Yeah, transforming. Yeah, I mean, you'd still have to open up the docs for inner join, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. No,
0: but that's the point, right? Is just that. It's not irrelevant to how you structure your app. It's not. I think it's we're literally think easier. We
1: are coming from, we're playing on easy mode by using Hasura. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that GraphQL is great because of all the tooling and libraries. But I don't see that as a thing that is fundamentally because of GraphQL. I think that the reason that stuff exists was because GraphQL nailed it. I don't want to dismiss yeah, any of that. The architect- but, yeah, the design decisions think, behind GraphQL. Yeah, yeah, I think that like architecturally, this could exist with other things, yeah, but it doesn't. Sure, and I think that's because of GraphQL. Yeah. because N- uh, nailed the design. Just, yeah. just just errors in GraphQL yeah. is enough to yeah. make to you know. And typing, you know. Yes, so many good things that they nailed. Yeah. Um. For for me though, yeah. it's not why I would dismiss GraphQL. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say that like the reasons I would dismiss GraphQL are, I mean, what are they? They would be that like, you still have to write a lot of backend code. It's still too easy to just arbitrarily write mutations where like the rest, the rest stuff is really good. You have certain amount of, Constrained small public interface, basically a certain amount of operations that you you run. You can't create a user without creating a whatever, right? Where with you know GraphQL, so you can write that um, publish post mutation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I like that thinking. Yeah, and I kind of went like.
0: I understand what you're saying though, I, but I I don't know if I'm convinced. I, I I think that it has a bigger effect than I originally thought
1: on how you think about,
0: yeah.
1: That's interesting. Okay, so I that, that's interesting. I think that GraphQL, I think that GraphQL created the ecosystem for things like Hasura to exist. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason that I'm enjoying these apps so much is because of Hasura mm-hmm. and not because of GraphQL. Now I realize that yeah. Hasura can't exist, yeah. but like the GraphQL thing would be amazing for the Hasura developers, not so much amazing for me. Yeah, when I write yeah, like yeah. GraphQL, I just think of it as like I never think like, oh man, what what if I couldn't write GraphQL here, I'd be screwed. I I never have that thought. The GraphQL is like an implementation detail of what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to do. No, but it changes things. <laughs> it changes things for people that are writing a Sura, but it no. doesn't change things for me. No. If you took away GraphQL. And replaced it with something else—a query builder from AWS or something. Um, I'm sorry. Just, uh, I, just, <laughs> I just imagined a query builder from AWS, and I just start crying inside. um a Query builder from Taylor Otwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just SQL. I mean, SQL is not as nice as is the nice aggregate functions and no, sort of. But even but but you. if you had Active Record on the client,
0: which is an amazing piece of engineering. Um
1: yeah let's say you had active record yeah yeah i would be fine with i would be fine with that it's like the same yeah and you know I, active is better why why they're both because quer- active both, record you're gives, both
0: yeah they are query builders but but the way you query and get data in graphql is literally designed for the kind of uis that we build every day so it's Active record could give you a hydrated graph of data, but then you'd have to transform it more. And so you'd be writing more logic, which has never been the worst I'm, part about I'm, that. I'm fine with it. Yeah, you're fine with it too. Guess what? I'm going to blow you out of the water, dude. I'm going to run laps around you because no. I don't have to write that code anymore. You just click some buttons in the graf- graphical and you have all the data you need. It's What I'm saying is that it Uh, has removed a chunk of the work that used to be part
1: of it. It literally is not even there anymore. I I guess I don't... Like, I'm not... Again, I'm not... Yeah, they're like the same... They're the same category. It's an order of magnitude difference for me. Because... But it doesn't change anything. And it makes... It doesn't doesn't change change things Because you want more
0: stuff in there. You actually want more things in there. Because it makes... You're basically writing less code. You're writing less code, right? If I could have, yeah, if I could have like some easy computed fields on the table or something, basically all the stuff that is included in Hisura that is done for me and that I don't
1: manage or maintain that, at all. Am I, am, I'm including that. That is Hasura. Like that is like. Okay. I look at it. But as, it's also. I look at Hasura and Firebase I, and Amplify. Mm, no, but
0: Firebase is different because in fi- in my Firebase app, like in my work journal. Dude, we should open my computer right now. We'll look at it after we shut this off. My work journal app, I am querying my work journal entries uh, the way I Firebase should, told should me not to. have
1: brought up Firebase because everyone <laughs> that uses Firebase. Complains about that, that data. It just has a million complaints Yeah, about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, so. exactly. But that is the point.
0: I mean, it's the point is that like, yeah whatever. We're not talking about theoretical technologies. We're talking about the fact that GraphQL was designed for, to power like UIs. And it actually, it does. um, Dude, with my Firebase app, they gave me a way to query data. It was super easy and it was real time. So it was even better than what I have right now with Sura. And yet all I wanted to do was get out of Firebase as soon as possible. So I queried (laughs) the flat list entries. And now I'm just working with JavaScript and hallelujah, I'm out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm doing maps and reduces and transforms. Whereas here it's like, oh, I have a form right here, and I need to do a drop down of um, categories with their labels, uh, and I want to show you which I'm just gonna query what I need in, in graphical and just put it in a query and just render it and that's like different than how i've thought about it before it's just different oh i want to add a bar right below your current five goals for this week that has all of your last week's goals let me just click around hasura oh last week aggregate entries i'm not i'm
1: not it's different but i'm not it's not it's not saying different it's different
0: it's like it's like now i would be much more likely to add add things add logic to my back end even if it was custom if i wanted something like hmm, oh this is what i'm gonna add next which is like for me for my friend like how many uh, entries do we have across the whole week up there so like i would love to just be able to get that off of the user object i'll see if i can get it as a nested query easily but like it'd be pretty awesome if i could just say i don't know like That'd be kind of crazy, but this is taking it extreme, like last week's total, right? Last week's total, last week's goal. It's almost like I want an, a way to... That's a silly example since that's easy to get with the out-of-the-box things, but that's the kind of thing that, again, you would... For me, I can, le- I can see it much more likely to add it onto this uh, entity in my backend on GraphQL, so it's easy to query because now... If I need it in one place, guess what? I'm probably going to need it somewhere else. I have it. It's Mm -hmm. really easy. It saves me from writing any code in the front end at all. So, um, that, whereas, whereas that's not the kind of thing I would think about doing, um, ever in a rails backend that I was writing, adding computed drive data just for the sake of it, unless I had to for performance reasons, but that's not even what I'm talking
1: about. I'm just talking about like
0: the easiest way to get data, you know?
1: Yeah. Again, I, I I think that if we took GraphQL... I'll show you my Firebase app. I don't think we... I think we are very, very lucky that we are using GraphQL through Hasura. That's all. That's and I and guess I, we could be arguing
0: semantics about whether I should... Whether it's, GraphQL deserves the praise here. I
1: think it does because... It absolutely does because GraphQL... Is what, you don't enables have Hasura yeah, 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 without yeah. GraphQL. I'm just saying for, for our point of view, uh, I think we can say that like... GraphQL is great because of all the tooling, but I don't think GraphQL actually improves my the fact that it's GraphQL actually improves my day to day of development. For me, it's going to Hasura, click a few things, use the things that Amplify generates for me. Those all come from GraphQL, and those all use it use GraphQL. But I'm not I'm not writing resolvers.
0: All right, this uh, <laughs> this this vote is too close to call today. I think we're going to have to agree to <laughs> disagree for now. So maybe next week we'll be able to pick it up after we simmer on this a little bit.
1: See which ways the votes votes are cast <laughs> and who wins this uh, this debate right here. I feel um, like I'm starting from a very unfair position because everyone loves GraphQL. <laughs> so no, if you just good. say, "Hey, there's you're this the thing, grumpy old guy with like in no, 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 in no, no, no no no," but no, no, that's what people wrong. that's what people think. They yeah, just immediately, yeah, it is. For, and goodbye, for, everybody. F- no, just kidding. <laughs> that's immediately yeah. We're like, no, you're, what, you said something bad about grab Yeah, you, yeah. You're you trying to make it clear that you're not saying, you're making a more nuanced point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, I don't freaking care about the battery and the technology in a battery but i love the fact that i can open my laptop from anywhere yeah i don't think I so don't the think, battery i don't know if i agree with you. the either, battery I think the analogy is breaking <laughs> down
0: i'm gonna have to think about it though and we're at about an hour and i know you have to run soon so i actually think it might be fun to talk about this next week after we have another week of experience since i'm uh, i'm hacking on this thing so um that was really interesting though it's given me a lot of thought to think about um
1: yeah if cool. anyone
0: has any thoughts let us know if not We'll be here next
1: week. Graph kill good. Rest bad. I'm in that camp. I'm in that camp. Awesome.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, if you're new, welcome aboard. And uh, if you like the show, give us a review. Let us know what you think. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.